listening to the Fayetteville 411 podcast produced by the City of Fayetteville, where you'll get information about city government and the programs and services we provide. You'll get topics of interest and an inside look into the various departments that help keep our city moving. I'm Sherry Crop. And I'm John Salling. Thanks for joining us for the Fayetteville 411. Today we are talking about employment opportunities with the Fayetteville Police Department. And joining us are Assistant Chief Kelly Berg, Officer Sierra King, and Officer Alexandria Pesha. And so uh, police departments can have some of their own challenges when it comes to recruiting. Uh, What kind of things are you guys doing to recruit for ours? Uh, Sure. So thank you for having us today. Um, I'm Officer King, and I'm actually the recruiter for the Fayetteville Police Department. So we go to numerous things monthly, um, from hiring events um, to career fairs. At least once a week, I'm going to career fairs, whether that's local here in the area, or um, most recently, I was just over in Raleigh at a career fair that was held at the Hilton. Um, I also go on post a lot. So to Fort Liberty, I go there twice a week to their transition centers and kind of talk to the transitioning service members and give them information about what their next move might be just to make that transition a little smoother for them. Um, I also go to Camp Lejeune, which is about three hours from here, meet with the Marine Post and do the same thing, talk to their transitioning soldiers. Um, We utilize PIO a lot, our public information officers, and they do a lot of um, posts for us on social media, kind of showcasing the department and the recruitment process and things of that nature. Um, I get a lot of interest on our website with our interest cards. So typically candidates that are interested in the process will put in an interest card to get some information. And I call each and every one of those um, candidates one by one and kind of have that one-on-one connection with them. Do you find that um, most of the people that are showing interest in applying for positions are um, civilians or people that have served in the military or have been police officers elsewhere before? I would say all of the three. Um, So for the first point, civilians are always interested in the job. Um, It is cool. Um, Most people are pretty apprehensive as far as getting started because they've most chances they've never done anything like this before, um, so I kind of help them navigate that process. As far as prior service, they look to this as well. You know, they're used to being in a uniform capacity and operating in a structured type career. Um, as far as laterals are concerned, which are officers that are employed with other agencies, I think either them moving here or them working locally with another department, um, it's enticing for them to come here because of the um quality of training that we have here and the opportunity for growth that we have within the department is always a big thing that they look for. And I would imagine that um, recruiting is, it has its challenges because, I mean, let's face it, it's, it's a dangerous job. It is. It's a hard sell. Um, to say the least, it is a dangerous job. I typically tell people, if, you're, if you don't have a passion for this, it's going to be hard to sell it to you. Um, your heart has to be in it to be able you know, to make it through the training and you know, take the highs and the lows that come with the profession. Um, so I always tell people, make sure that you're 100% you know, committed to starting something like this. Um, because that, that is a huge possibility that people come through the hiring process, um, get into the academy and even get out on the road and they're like, hey, this is not what I signed up for, you know. So it does look a um, little glorified in the movies and the shows and right. stuff. And then when you're actually doing the job, it's a completely different realm that people just sometimes aren't prepared for. And sometimes it's a thankless job. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You know, um, so you don't come into this profession wanting um, accolades. Yeah. Because rarely does that happen. Um, you know, you have to find that inner fortitude and that drive 
that really makes you passionate um, without getting patted on the back every day. So Yeah, and that's a good point, Chief. I hear that a lot. Um, you know, like, no one is telling me thank you or no one is saying, like, I appreciate you or I'm proud of you or whatever the case may be, and it's definitely a self-motivated profession. That's exactly where I was going with yeah. that. So thank you for answering <laughs> no problem. that. And as far as for you three, what's your self-motivation? What keeps you guys going? Yeah, sure. Um, I was in the military, so just a little background story of me. Um, I served four years in the Army. I'm originally from Jersey. Always wanted to be in law enforcement. have a bunch of cops in my family. Um, but in Jersey, it's a little selective to get into. The hiring process is completely different. So... And ops for not joining the police department. I went into the military, ended up here at Fort Liberty, and we were destined to stay here for a little bit. So I was like, let me just give it a shot. Um, and I've loved it ever since. Um, I couldn't see myself doing anything other than this. So I'm a little unique in that I had thought about law enforcement, but I was really just more interested in, you know, the investigative and the puzzles and I was the weirdo that liked the crime shows and that kind of thing but um, I have a master's in communication so I actually always wanted to be a PIO and I wanted to be PIO for public safety and Fayetteville PD only had sworn PIOs so I went through BLET so that I could eventually become a PIO uh, and there was no guarantee that was going to happen um, and I'm very blessed to be where I am um, I love being the public information officer um, but that's kind of my self-motivating is that I got to do something. I went outside of my comfort zone. So for me, that means an awful lot to me. Um, and then because of that, my whole career trajectory, you know, has just shifted. So many more things have opened up to me. My perspective has changed. So, um, you know, my motivation is I, I got to do something really cool that I never thought I'd get to do. And so I get to stay here and help all these really awesome people continue to just show that the, you know, the police department's here to, to serve everybody that's here. And I'm the old one in the crowd, almost 23 years. Um, I always wanted to be a police officer, and we moved a lot, not from military, just weird things my mom. Anyway, we'll talk about in therapy. <laughs> um, but my ex-husband brought me here in 91. He said he was going to take me all over the world. He left. I stayed. Um, I needed a job, so I went to work at the jail. Um, I became sworn there. Um, I wanted to go become a sheriff, and they said, nope, you're not going to leave the jail. So in order to escape, I got hired by FPD. And um, and my drive the whole time really was proving that I could do this. There was very few females. I want to say we were less than 10% females in the department when I got hired. Um, and it was always... I didn't want to be one of the boys, and I didn't want to outprove them. I just wanted to show that I could do this job as well as anybody else. Um, and so that's been my career, and that's been my drive is, is just the sheer determination. I love being told no. Um, and then I find myself, you know, I found myself really looking at changing the culture here, which I've had the benefit of doing. Um, we started SVU, Special Victims Unit, in 2010, which doesn't seem like that long ago, but we had nothing for victims before that. Um, and so I've just been really blessed. And so here I am at, towards the end of my career, and I'm finding myself wanting to um, reach down and pull women up um, because I think that we are such a huge department or a huge part of society that we need to be a huge part of this organization and we need to be reflective. 
you know, race and sex both need to be reflective in the department. Um, and we just bring something different. You know, I've had females tell me, I don't want to be treated like a female. Well, you are and own that. And, you know, so that's really become my passion, I think, in the last few years is, is bringing people up. Not, I bring everybody up, mm -hmm. male or female, but it's really been like these young females. And I look at you and I say, gosh, you guys have so many years and you're going to bring so much. And I just want to motivate them every day and, and give them every opportunity. So an encouragement. And sometimes I poke them a little bit to get them to go a little bit harder. So <laughs> and Chief Burke, I'm, I'm glad you're talking about that because um, that's a great segue into the 30 by 30 initiative. It's a, it's a national initiative, I think, that yes. was kicked off um, recently within the police well, department. Well, Chief Hawkins um, started talking about this a few years ago. 30 by 30 is we want to get 30% females um, by the year 2030. Right now, I think we're a little under 22%. Yep, we're, we were at 21. Yeah, we were really close to 23% at one time. Um, so we're trending the wrong way. Um, but 30 by 30 is really about identifying areas in which we can support women within the department. And that's not an excluding men, that's encouraging women to join, um, to climb the ranks. I, I think I'm the only female in the executive staff um, we have only one female captain out of seven. We have now three females out of 21 for lieutenants um, and maybe three or four sergeants out of 52 that are female. So it's really about encouraging female to be engaged and then what we can do as a department to ensure that they stay um, and that they're supported and that they get into the, they get these opportunities for growth and they want to stay within the department um, for 30 years. It's a long time for law enforcement. So it's just finding that motivation and, and you know, so we've been doing different things. Um, we've had summits. Mm -hmm. um, I brought the National Organization for Women in to talk about women in history and how far we've come and how far we still need to go. Um, so anything that I can think of that's going to support women, that's going to um, encourage growth and, and answer their questions, big issue that we have is child care. I know men have it as well. But if we had secured si child care for public safety, mm -hmm. law enforcement, um, I think we'd actually get more women on the department because that, that's just the biggest holdout right now is just we're a 24-hour agency. Right. And you can leave on a dime. So how do you balance that? And I was a single mom, so I know how tough that is. Um, and that we're seeing a lot of that. And what kind of results have you been seeing from this initiative as you've been carrying it forward? I think the women that are staying are engaged and they want to be a part of this. Um, I think that we're actually meeting on the 2nd of November to talk about um, our plan for next year. Um, and I think we're going to have to reach out with recruiting and we're going to push something out into the community to show what it's like to be an officer and a female officer um, so we can get more. But like I said, the numbers are trending down. But the ones I've got staying are staying, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's it's an up and down. But I think in law enforcement across the nation, we're seeing a decline, not in just women, but it's, it's been throughout the, you know, males and females. So it's been kind of tough. And we say the numbers are trending down, but we're still considerably higher than the national average. So we're trending higher that way, right? We are. For, for women, yes, we are much higher, um, which is a blessing. But to me, to go from 23 to 20, I know it's only two, but it feels like I'm losing and I don't want to lose any more females. So, yeah. 
and kind of the importance of having this initiative. Uh, if you guys want to weigh in on that as well, or yeah, sure. So, you know, as the obvious is, this is a male-dominated profession. Um, so, women bring a different perspective into the this career field. Um, statistically, they have a lower use of force. Um, they're able to articulate and speak to people better. Um, I think women are natural-born nurturers, so they're just a little gentler, right. yeah. <laughs> which is normal. Um, so some people feel more comfortable talking with Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, we definitely make people more comfortable and a little bit more sensitive and stuff. Not saying that men can't be, but, um, you know, it's just a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some women that are some hard chargers, <laughs> just as tough as the men, you know. So I think um, just making women feel um, like this profession is attainable is huge. Um because I know personally that's a lot of the feedback that I'm getting from candidates that are interested, like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I have kids, and I'm a mom, and I'm a wife, and what have you. And I think um, a lot of the women on the department are as well, you know. So this is a community in itself, um, and a lot like Chief was saying, we're a family, so we, we figure out a way to make this work. And there's a lot of women on the department that are always willing to help, so hopefully something sticks with this child care and we can – get a good solid plan and keep the ones that we have and continue to recruit more women. And I would say just throughout public service in general, you know, you always hear horror stories about, you know, what women, especially as women have come up in public service, have experienced. And validating those stories, yes, that happened. However, what are the steps that we're taking to move forward? How have things changed? And, you know, like Officer King was saying, like Chief Berg was saying, we are a family. We do take care of each other. So showing that aspect to the public and to those who even are remotely interested in law enforcement and saying, you know, other females here, other men here have your back. And we're going to make sure that, you know, we do what we can to help you. And I think it's really supporting the voice, mm-hmm. right? Um, we have a voice in this department. Um, and I will tell you early on, I didn't feel like I had a voice. Um, I had some really good supervisors that would encourage me in spite of the naysayers. Um, and I don't know what I would have done without them. Um, but giving the women a voice without, again, it's not about us going against men. You know, it's about encouraging. And I think a lot of the men that I've worked with, there are still some out there. But a lot of the people that have been in the department, new to the department within the last 10 years are very, very supportive. And I think they see the benefit of having female officers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, they identify that and they recognize that we all bring something different to the table. Some of us are hard chargers. I, you know, everybody brings something different. And, and if you're open to that, and I think that that's what we're seeing, and those are the conversations that we're having. So when we do these summits and when we have these meetings, we do. If men want to come, we encourage them to be a part of that conversation because we need allies. We need allies within our profession. So, um, yeah, so those are just some of the, the things that we're seeing benefit from this. So we've talked about some of the recruitment efforts that you're doing, the summits, especially for the um, the females. So Let's talk about once you pique their interest and they're ready to apply, what is the process for that? 
Yeah, so the first step they're going to want to do is put in an application. Um, once they put an application, I screen the application, make sure everything is correct, and then we run a local background check. So as long as everything checks out clear, they get an invitation to testing. Um, we typically have two test dates a month, and in testing, it's the written exam and the physical exam. So it's written at a 10th grade reading level. It's super simple. It's basic math, basic reading. You don't even need a calculator. And as far as a physical exam is concerned, it mimics a day in an officer's profession. So it's essentially an obstacle course um, where you're climbing a fence, you're running about 25 feet, you're doing a couple push-ups. Um, so it's really not hard at all. You get um, six minutes to complete it, and honestly, you can walk it and pass. <laughs> so it's very minimal running um, required. The entire process from start to finish, from the time they put in an application until they're accepted to start the academy, can take anywhere from about three to four months. Um, and we typically have two police academies a year, one in January and one in July. So you really have to be motivated and you have to be, you really have to want to do this because yeah. it's not that I'm going to apply and the next week I'll start my job. Um, it does. It's a lot. You have to invest a lot of time and effort um, in order to get into this profession, which is great for us because if we get people that actually stick that out for that four months, sometimes five months, then they're going to be the ones that are going to stick around a while. Usually, yeah. not always, but usually. We hope so. We hope so. But we hope that they stick the course. Um, it is. It can be a little bit of an extensive process. Um, we delve into all aspects of your life, so it's a little intrusive. <laughs> it's different than like, you know, working at Walmart or mm -hmm, wherever, mm -hmm. which there's nothing wrong with that. But just the background check in itself and the hiring process in itself can be a little lengthy. Um, so we make sure that we maintain communication with them throughout the process just so that they don't feel like they're left in the dark or anything like that. Um, but really, as long as we can get their background check done in a timely manner, um, we get them hired as soon as they're done. They meet with the chief and the assistant chiefs, and as long as they give us their blessing, we get them hired. And then we start building that rapport with them from there. So typically, when we hire people before the academy starts, um, we do PT with them. We give them a tour of the department. They get to work in some of the units um, that don't require special clearance um, just to kind of get to know, you know the people that work in the department and kind of see how things are going to be ran. Um, we get them on ride-alongs and things like that. So, and that engages them. And it's yeah. it's not a mentoring program, but it is semi similar to mentoring because they get to meet people and they get to ask questions and they get to find those people that that they fit that they know throughout their career they're going to be able to go back to. Um, and so it's kind of interesting now that you're doing that and yeah. and you're you're kind of engaging them where now they want to be a part of this where before we didn't ever do that. It was, oh, you're hired, show up at the academy. Right, right? and I think that's huge now too, um, especially with this generation. It's all about communicating and making them feel understood and heard and kind of letting them know what's to be expected. So um, a lot of what the community wants to see is that the police department looks like them. You know, like it's a direct reflection of what they see every day. So I think that's huge for the 30 by 30 initiative just because, you know, women want to be able to see other women who look like them in professions like this um, and men as well. So I was getting at something else because you kind of sparked something and now it lost me. But um, OK, so as far as like hiring people um, earlier and getting them into the department and stuff like Chief was saying, getting them around those different types of units and exposing them to those people. I think that's huge for them as well. Just kind of seeing 
people who are sworn officers are ready and who they relate to. That way, once they get on the road and things of that nature, they can kind of pick up their niche and see what interests them. Talk about some of the various fields um, that you can go into within the police department. Yeah, of course. So everyone who gets hired makes it through the academy and graduates. They have to do at least one year um, on solo patrol before they can apply for any specialized unit. Um, But we have numerous. They're all on the website. It's like over 30. Um, But our investigations in itself. So we have, you know, domestic violence, juvenile, um, special victims unit, like Chief mentioned. Um, We have property, fraud, homicide, narcotics, gangs. I mean, the list is endless. Whatever you have even the slightest interest in, we have a place for you. Um, As far as like the... um, Help me out here, like the specialized assignments, like um, our canine team, Mm -hmm. where they deal a lot with the dogs. We have our emergency response team, um, which civilians know as SWAT. We also have that. We have an aviation team. A search and rescue team. We have an urban search and rescue Mm -hmm. team. Yep. So if you're into water and diving, that's for you. We have our civil emergency unit. Yep. We have our um, emergency unit. So you get trained on like um, all of the riots and the marching and all of that stuff. So we have negotiators i just had yep, to call we one have out negotiations last night so team. we have the yep. negotiators and i mean the training the training in itself is endless um for people that stay here a long time i mean wealth of knowledge um and most people that don't they soak up all the knowledge that they can and then take it with them so i mean this is definitely an agency where there's a huge opportunity for growth and to learn a lot and if you're interested in working at the police department but you don't want to go sworn we have crime prevention we have our um crime what are they called civilian crash investigators victim advocate um civilian um, investigative assistants dispatch dispatch cru which is our records clerks what are some of that we have cic the crime information center we have analysts so there's a it everything it yeah there's many many opportunities opportunities to work So uh, if someone is interested in applying um, or just getting more information, where can they find that? Absolutely. So if they go to join FAYPD, so that's J-O-I-N-F-A-Y-P-D.com, that's our recruiting page, and that'll tell you everything you need to know about getting started with us. And if you're not interested in law enforcement, at the very top, there's a little tab that says jobs. If you click on that, that'll take you to all of the vacancies within the city. Okay, great. Thank you for all that information. We want to thank each of you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Fayetteville 411. The Fayetteville 411 is one of several podcasts that the city produces for our podcast channel, Radio Fayetteville. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Fayetteville, available on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. You can also listen to every podcast that Radio Fayetteville has to offer by downloading the Fay TV streaming app available now on Roku, Apple TV, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. You can view all of our video content by visiting fayetv.net. To get information about city services, go to our webpage at fayettevillenc.gov. Thanks for joining us.